Okay, so we're continuing our series on image bearers. And so far in this series, or let's just start with last week. Last week I talked about not living your life on autopilot, but rather putting on the mind of Christ and examining your hearts and your minds, making sure that they are in alignment with Christ and that um, we ex- we we strive to know what the mind of Christ is in our life and being in his perfect will. So far, Reed's still wandering to find his chair or his Bible. Awesome. Awesome. So we also talked about how, as believers, we have the promise that we already have the mind of Christ. And it is our, it is our job to represent Christ and to make sure that we're putting on we're taking advantage of that. We're putting on that mind of Christ and walking our lives engaged in life, examining why we participate in certain things and why we don't, and if Jesus would do the same, and making sure the way that we think about life and think about the world and think about others is the same way that he would think about us or think about them or freedom or the law or any of that, and that we have the same opinions of, of God. And so tonight, if you're taking notes, we're kind of continuing um, on that same line of thought, but with the motivation, what, what's motivating that. And so tonight, if you're taking notes, you can title this message, What is My Why? What is my why? And I want to ask you the same question. What is your? What is your why? And we're going to get to what does that even mean. But so far in this series, we've concluded that we were created in the image of God, And in his likeness, he created us. And that in order to look like Jesus, we need to know not only what he looks like, but what he does not look like. What is not in his character, what is in his character, what pleases him, and what what displeases him. What does Jesus actually hate and and doesn't want us to participate in, and what what brings him pleasure. We've also concluded that we have been given this freedom in Christ, we've been set apart for a purpose, for a reason. He didn't save us just to set us aside and then not do anything with us, but he, he saved us and redeemed us and transformed us for a purpose. And it's for freedom's sake that he set us free. It's so that we can enjoy all of his pleasures and all of his gifts and, and that we can go out into the world and do something with that so that we can be ambassadors to this world so that other people can experience that same freedom have that same knowledge of Jesus and that would come into their life and that they would be forever changed just the same way that we were. If we know Christ, it is our goal to represent him in the world. It's not our job to remove ourselves from the world and not participate in any more of the acts, but it is our job to, to spend time with him in his presence so that we become transformed, so that we can go out into the world and, and let other people experience that same transformation. Jesus doesn't want us just to remove ourselves from everything and not participate in the world anymore. He actually wants us to be strong enough, be so closely knit to him that we can go out into the world and not be, not compromise his, um, his presence by by associating with people who don't behave the same way as we do or believe the same things as we do. He wants to empower us to be much more than just conformists. And so last week we were talking about not conforming to the patterns of this world, but being renewed by our mind, by spending time with the Lord. So I'm going to open up by reading Galatians, um, and I'm going to start in verse 1, and then I'm going to skip to chapter verse 13, and then we'll pray. So if you have a Bible and you want to go there, you should bring your Bibles. Who has a Bible and actually brought it? 
Sweet. That's actually quite a few people. Nice. I don't judge against what kind of Bible you use as long as it's actually Christian. Not the Apocrypha. Not the Mormon Bible. Anyway. (laughs) So, exactly. That's a little sketchy. Okay. So, if you have your Bible, open to Galatians chapter 5. And we're going to start in verse 1 and then follow me to verse 13. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Now skip to verse 13 because we have a lot of other reading to do. And it says this. My brothers, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another in humility and in love, for the law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say this, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discords, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ, those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying one another. This passage tells us four, th- or this passage tells us a lot of things, but I'm only going to bring your attention to four of them. And if you're taking notes, this is something you should write down so you can stay like on track. But I want to bring to your attention four points that Paul makes when he is writing this um, passage specifically. One, you are set free. If you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have been set free of the bondage of all of those sinful acts of nature, <laughs> like all those things that he lists. You have been set free of those things. You have been redeemed from those things. You have been transformed from those things by his presence and by his power and by his love. You are already free. But he says, do not use that freedom to indulge in the sinful nature. Don't take advantage of your freedom and think anything goes for me now. Now that I have this gift from God, this forgiveness from the Lord, this eternal life, this redemption in my life. Now I can do whatever I want. No. Do not use your freedom to indulge in those things. He says, put off those things and and instead walk by the spirit. So number two, the flesh and the spirit are at war with one another. They're in conflict, constant conflict. And they are trying to pull you one way or the other. The spirit, the spirit of God is empowering you to live by the fruits of the spirit. By abiding with Jesus in love and joy and peace and patience. That is who you're made to be. That is who God intended you to be in him. Outside of him, you can only hope to become the things that were on the list previously. Jealous, angry, 
involved in witchcraft, drunk, all of those things. That is what we naturally would err towards. These are the things, our selfish ambition, it gets the best of us. And we will err to those things every single time we don't walk in step with the Spirit. They are in conflict with each other. Don't forget, you are in a war. You are in a war over your mind. And we talked about this briefly last week. What do you believe? And it is so important for you to know why and what you believe in. So number three, he says to serve one another in love. Love, this is going to be one of the major points of this entire message, is about his love. Just as he serves us in love, he wants us to go out and serve others in that same love. And then four, keep in step with the Spirit. So these are the points that we're going to be talking about. They're all going to be kind of interwoven throughout the message tonight. So let's pray, and then we're going to get started. Kind of, because we already got started, but we'll pray. God, I thank you. Jesus, that you, that you are here and that you're with us and that you do not give us a spirit of fear, God, but of confidence, Lord Jesus. And I ask, God, that you would empower me with confidence, Lord, tonight to just proclaim your truth and to explain it well. God, that you would use my words to bring, um, understanding and clarity to people's hearts tonight, God, and that you, Holy Spirit, would minister to people's, to people's hearts just where they're at just exactly where they're at, God, exactly what they need to hear, Lord, that you would um, free minds and you would change hearts and that there would be a paradigm shift in the way that we think and the way that we live. And um, it would start tonight, Jesus. And then after this word, after um, your work tonight, Holy Spirit, that we would never be able to go back um, to our old ways, God, but that forever we would be changed and closer to your likeness, God. I pray that you would be glorified tonight. In your holy name we pray. Amen. What is my motivation? Why do I have to look like Jesus? If we're talking about image bearers, if we're talking about abstaining from the pleasures and the joys of this world, if all of the riches and the pleasures of the world are offered to us, why should I avoid them? Why? What is my why? That's what I mean. You can't And if we're going to the world, if we're going out there and we're supposed to be able to draw people into this great, mysterious love of Jesus, and we're saying, come, come and be with Jesus, come and give your hearts to Jesus, he's going to, whatever, make your life better or improve you or change you or whatever, just give up. Give up all the riches of the world. Give up all the pleasures and the fun of the world and come and live a life of self-depravity. Does that sound very appealing to anyone? Who is going to choose that? Nobody's going to choose that. And this is my reason. If you don't know why you chose it in the first place, how are you ever going to lead somebody else into that same revelation? If we don't know why we're giving up the pleasures of the world, if we don't know why we choose to bear his image and be conformed to his likeness, how is the world going to know? How is the rest of the world, those who don't believe, if the believers don't even know why, how can we expect unbelievers to know why? And how can we live in the world and not be of it if we don't know why we should? My answer is this, and this is what I want to talk to you guys about tonight. And um, I think at the end we're going to have small groups again. But my answer is this. Jesus came into the world for one primary reason, to give us the good news that he loved us. That we are called by his name. That he, and he showed his love by giving up his life. And everybody, everybody knows this scripture, but it's perfect for, for this reason. It says, 
It says this, and it's in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not come to the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. If we, if we reach this conclusion that Jesus is worthwhile, we accept salvation, what is our response to that great love that he has for us? To this amazing sacrifice. To this amazing sacrifice of him dying on the cross and paying for our sin and preparing a way for us to go to heaven and a home. And he, he responds to us with mercy and compassion and grace. What is our response to all of that? It is not. I want to dispute. <laughs> with you tonight, it is not just that you receive salvation. It is the realization that we don't deserve the gift in the first place. We have nothing worth of our own hearts, of our own life to give back to him, except for what we would normally be on our own. And he knew this. He knew we had nothing to offer him in return. He knew that we would not be able to even love him in return. And yet he still made the choice. He still made the sacrifice. In my own effort, I cannot even love God. So I can't offer him my love in response to his love. Because without God, I know no love. He is love himself. And so therefore he teaches me love. And I can't love him without being selfish. It would be love with a hook. It would be love saying, you know, I love Jesus because he loves me, you know, and that's the best I have to give him. That's the best I have to give him. So in Jesus knew this. He knew all we had to offer him was our sin. And this is what we need to realize. All you have to give him is your old self. All you have to give him is your filthy rags. All you have to give him is your old nature. It's who you once were. It's what exactly kept you in bondage. It is exactly what is keeping you in bondage now. That is all you have to give him. That is your only gift, is your filthy rags. And he wants that, and he desires those things so that he can transform them, so that you have a gift to give to the world, which is his love, his mercy, his compassion on you, your renewed nature. So why? Why would I turn back to that old living? Why would I go back there once I was in, once I was in bondage and now I've been set free? Why would I return to those things? And abuse my freedom in him and take advantage of his love. If all I have to give him is that sin, why would I go back to it? It's Proverbs 26, 11 says this. As a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. I don't want to be a fool. In fact, I want to be so bold to say I refuse to be a fool. And if I'm going to be made foolish for anyone, it's Jesus. After what he paid for me, after the love that he gave me, after the mercy that he showed me when I was a sinner and I was trapped in all of that, when I was trapped in jealousy and comparison and fits of rage and selfish ambition, when I had no self-control and no love and no patience, he showed those to me and he set me free of them so that I could have something worthwhile in this life. When I was insecure, he made me confident. When I was scared, he gave me a spirit of confidence. Why would I go back? To my bondage. Why would I go back to that slavery? Why should we go back and make fools of ourselves and repeat our folly? Don't be like that dog who goes back to their vomit and repeats their folly over. So what is my why? Why do I choose to give up the pleasures of the world? Because he loves me. Why should you choose to give up the desires of the flesh? Because he loves you. And that great love compels us to give him all that we have which is everything that separates us from him. 
So we must ask God to give us love, to give us the courage to love him in return, no matter what it might cost us in this life. If ever I find that the old pleasures of the world are enticing me, if ever you find yourself finding that the world's pleasures are enticing you again, they're drawing you back in, you find yourself in compromising situations, in compromising positions, you find yourself not being able to walk in integrity, but you're making, you're slipping back into that same, into those same foolish acts that you were before. You find your old self sneaking back up and you're thinking and you're comparing and you're envying and you're finding yourself angry again. And I'm talking about simple things. I'm not even talking about like obvious acts like that Paulus did. I'm talking about stuff that's just in our heart. If we ever find that those old pleasures are enticing us again, it's because we're not living in view of his love for us. We're not responding to his love. This is, this is what I think about true love. True love is what causes us pain, what causes us pain. Jesus truly loved us and he experienced the worst pain in the world. It's what hurts but brings us joy and this is why we must ask God to give us the courage to love him. The courage to love him no matter what it costs us and no matter what we have to give up. Love is my why. I choose love to be my why. When somebody asks me, why do you give up those things? Why won't you come with us? Why won't you do this with me? I love him too much. He loves me too much. He loves me too much. Honestly, it's not that I love him enough. It's that he loves me so much and in view of his love for me, I will not go back to that vomit. I will not put myself in slavery. I want to live in love. In Deuteronomy 6, I think. Yeah. Deuteronomy 6, 5 says this. Love the Lord your God with all of your soul and with all of your mind. We are still talking about living, loving God with our minds. We're still talking about putting on the mind of Christ and aligning ourselves with the mind of Christ. He's commanding us, love me with your mind. It all starts with what we believe. Remember last week we were talking about how your beliefs start in your mind, they take root in your heart, and they work their way out into your behaviors and your habits. They start here in your mind. It begins with what you believe. It becomes, it becomes your worldview in your heart when you become convicted about it, when you become passionate about it. That's all in your heart. It's what you're going to go to war for. And then it starts to work its way out in your behavior, in your habits. People can tell what you believe by, by, by how you behave. It's really obvious. This is why we cannot live on cruise control. And that's what we were talking about last week. Don't live on cruise control. Be aware. Be engaged. Examine what you believe. Know your why. God doesn't command us to do the impossible. It's not impossible to love him with your mind. Love is just a fruit of the Spirit. It's about being with Him, about spending time with Him. So if you could say love is a fruit that's in season at all times. It's always in season. It's always available to you. It doesn't ever expire. There's no shortage of it, and everybody can gather it at whatever measure they'd like. It doesn't... There's. It's always in season. We must love Him, and we must spend time with Him for, for us to stay walking in integrity in this world. For us to go out into the world and be in it but not of it, we must have union with him. We must have that personal abiding relationship with him. 
And we must always live in view of his great love for us. That's, that's like, if you don't get anything else, get this. Live your life in view of his great love. Don't ever let that idea grow cold or grow dull. Because when it grows dull and when you think, oh yeah, the love of God, and you start min- minimizing the impact of the love of God, that is just enough for the enemy to change the truth just a little bit, just one degree. And if you're not on your guard, if you're not living engaged, but you're living on cruise control, it's just enough for the enemy to sneak in and deceive you and, and for all those same desires to start seeming like, well, what's so bad about those? What's so bad really about that? And it just is a little bit, little bit off, just like the, just like the enemy did to Adam or to Eve. He said, did God really say that? He really not want you to have all this pleasure? I don't think that fruit will do that much bad. Just a little bit. Don't grow dull in your relationship with the Lord. Don't let that uh, love relationship grow dim. Live your life in view of his love for you. This is what Paul was saying when he said, walk in the spirit. And you will not desire the things of the flesh. But he also warned us that we're in conflict. We're in war. You are in a war over your why. You need a why to make it through this life. You need a reason. And I'm just going to keep like pounding this home. And I want you to think about it. What is your why? Charity, what is your why? You don't have to answer. Just question. What is your why? Shrey, what is your why? Bryce, what's your why? Caleb, Taylor, what is your why? Think about it. Really meditate on it. You need a reason. You need to live your life with a conviction that will keep you walking in an abiding relationship with the Lord. The Bible warns us we are in a war, but our war is not against flesh against flesh and blood lots and lots of times we get all caught up about so and so did this and so and so did that and my battles with this person if they would only whatever whatever <laughs> i don't even have words to put in there we get all angry and all upset over a person we get all offended by what they're doing our battle is not against flesh and blood the bible tells us it is against rulers and principalities of the darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness, we are in a a battle over our why. The enemy wants to deceive us and draw us away and entice us by the pleasures of the world. It's all that he has to offer. It's the only thing that he has on his side. He has nothing else. So he's going to use what he got. And he knows that's the only thing that we have in common with the world. Because once we were the same, once we were the same people who had these same issues, we were, we were caught up in comparison, we were insecure, we were abused, we were broken hearted, whatever it was, he knows. If I can just get them to want to go back to that, if I can just, you know, make that seem more appealing to what they're doing now, then he can get it took right back in us and we're gonna go back there because we naturally desire that. It's in our nature. And the only way that we stay not desiring those things is to be in an abiding relationship with Christ. So, what is your why? It's the only... Why do we live for Jesus? Why live a life of character? Why live above reproach? 
Why not participate in things that are controversial? Why bear his image? Why fellowship with other believers? Why stay faithful to a community of believers? What is so important about that? Why not? Why don't you? Don't lose sight of your why. Colossians 2, 2 through 8 says this. And I'm going to change it so that it's as if I'm reading it to you. Like if I was Paul. I want you to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want you to have complete confidence and understand God's mystery, mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. In him lie all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I am telling you this so that no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. For though I'm far away from you, my heart is with you, and I rejoice that you are living as you should, and that your faith is strong in Christ. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down deep into him. Let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in truth as you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. Do not let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and from spiritual powers of this world, rather from Christ. The King James Version says that last verse like this, Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of this world and not after Jesus. If I'm going to be ruined, if I'm going to be spoiled by anything, I want it to be ruined after Jesus, built on Jesus, not after the traditions of man, not after the things and the traditions of this world and the routines of this world. I want my life to be ruined, to be wrecked, to be abandonedly, hopelessly caught up in the things of Jesus. I will not, I will not turn back. I will not go back to that slavery, to that bondage, to that insecurity, to that hopelessness. I will not, because of his great love for me, because I want to live my life in view of those things. And I hope, and I, my prayer for you is that you would live the same way, in view of his great love for you. But it starts in your mind. It starts with what you believe. It starts with your why. And I don't want to tell you what your why is. You need to know what your why is for yourself. Mine, mine, I'm making clear. It's because of his great love for me. I'm not, I don't want to go back there. I know what it's like to be there. I have been redeemed. I have been saved from so much. From so much brokenness and from so much pain and so much heartache and so much disappointment. I refuse to go back to those places. You need to know, you need to experience that for yourselves. You need to test the Lord, press into the Lord, and know that same power, know that same redemption, know his limits, know his heights, know his depths of his love for you. And you will never be the same. This is how we keep in step with the Spirit. John 15 Starting in verse 1, it says this, I am the vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will even be more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I spoke to you. Remain in me as I remain in you. No branch can bear any fruit by itself. 
it, re- it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear any fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such a branch is picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be complete and your joy may be made complete. My command is this, love one another as I have loved you. No greater love has no one than this to lay one's life down for our friends. I still have a little bit more, but I want to I give you this. You are not your own. Your life is not your own. One, you were bought and paid for with the blood of Jesus. You belong to him. If you made that decision, that salvation decision, you belong to Jesus. But not only do you belong to Christ, you belong to your brothers and sisters in Christ. Look around you. See these people to your right and to your left? Look around you in this room. You are not your own. You are not your own. You belong to the people in this room. Your brothers, your sisters, your family. And when you make choices, when you make decisions, when you abandon this community, it affects people. It leaves wide open gaps. It leaves broken places. It leaves wide open things. that. Okay, so we have like... Okay, let's take just really like the example of a body. We have arms and we have legs and we have eyes and we have ears. Each one of you is just like that. And in this body, if one of you leaves, then now we have one eye and we can't see. If one of you leaves, we have no feet and we cannot walk. And if one of you leaves, we don't have one of our vital organs. When we make destroy, choices that destroy ourselves, that send us back into that slavery, that pushes us back into that bondage, we're tying up the body of Christ, literally, you are not your own. Your choices very much affect affect these people in this room. They have the power to destroy relationships. Your choices have the power to cause broken hearts. Paul says, do nothing that causes another brother to stumble, but pursue the things that make for peace, that might edify one another. Your choices should be such that they edify and build each other up. Don't choose things in life that are controversial just because you have the freedom to do so. Just because now you're of age and you can do whatever you want because the law of this world says, oh, you can do it. Don't choose things just because you're of age and just because you can choose controversy. Don't make the things of God about controversy. Don't choose things just to push your limits. Choose them in mind. Choose them with um, with your brothers and sisters in consideration, with the people in this room in consideration. Are your choices going to make anyone stumble? Are your choices going to cause people to make the kingdom of God about controversy and judging each other's acts? Because if we get up, if we get all caught up in just judging one another, we're no better than the rest of the world out there. 
if we are so divided by what's good and what's bad and what's appropriate and all of those things and we just sit our t- spend our time judging one another and casting the first stone, all these things, we're caught up on the wrong things. We've forgotten our why. We've forgotten how we're supposed to live in step with the Spirit, viewing each other in the same way that Christ views us. I don't want my behavior to confuse anyone, to cause them to question the love of God, to cause them to question the freedom of God. But don't confuse my love for him, my life for him as religious. I don't want to encourage you, don't be afraid of people viewing you as religious. If you choose to abstain from certain things because of your why, do it with conviction. Do it with passion. Do it unashamed. Don't be afraid of the, of the gospel. Don't be ashamed of it. If you choose that, live it with conviction. Live it with boldness. Live it with passion. Because you know the same passion he has for you. You know the same love that he has for you. He wasn't ashamed of me and I was in my sin. He wasn't ashamed of me and yet he still went on the cross for me. I had nothing to give him. You have nothing to give him. And he still went up there. He still did all of that. And even though I have only my sinful nature to give him... He's not ashamed of me. I won't be ashamed of him. If I can live my life for him, I will live it unashamed. And I encourage you, live your life unashamed of Christ. Unashamed of your why. And why you choose not to to watch certain things or participate in certain acts because they don't edify other people. Don't be ashamed of your choice to do that. Be bold and live it with conviction. Live it confidently and know your why for yourself. For Jesus, in view of his great love for you, don't live on cruise control, unaware of the effect that you have on other people. Here's one more thing. Joy. Another fruit of this, of the Spirit. Paul says this, let your roots grow down in him and let your lives be built on him and then your faith will grow in the truth that you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. He says, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Joy is another fruit of the Spirit. It's one of the best safeguards against temptation. A joyful heart is a content heart, a thankful heart, an appreciative heart. A person who has joy is a person who has love burning in their heart, who remembers the joy of their salvation and the great price that Jesus paid for them, what he gave up for them. We need to remember the joy of our salvation, what has been paid for us. Then we are not going to be drawn away. We won't go back to how we once were. We won't go back to that old life because we're so thankful of what Jesus did for us. We're so grateful for the price that he paid for us. Do you have that same joy? Are you thankful for your salvation? Because I feel like sometimes when I come to church or when I come and I meet with other believers, we have lost our joy. We're all like super complaining and have our own worries and burdens and we, we're not even excited about Jesus. We don't even really, like, he's not even the first thing that we want to talk about. He's not the thing that we want to share with one another about what he's doing in our heart or in our life. We have forgotten our joy. And a person who has forgotten their joy and has started to live in just, like, discontentment, I believe, I think, is a person who is really easily drawn away and enticed because they're forgetting their why. They're ungrateful. They're unthankful. They're not living in view of God's great mercy and love for them. And it's super easy in that discontentment to start thinking, 
this isn't all that it's cracked up to be. Like, I put Jesus in my life, and he's not doing my list. He's not working for me. He's not coming through for me. Whatever, my life is hard. It's difficult. I don't feel anything. And we start getting all discontent and unthankful and ungrateful. It's so easy to be that dog that goes back to our vomit. I might as well be back in Egypt. That's what the Israelites said. They just saw the freaking, what is that ocean called? Red Sea, split wide open. They walked across the ground on dry land. They saw all these amazing things. And they grew discontent. They grew ungrateful. They forgot their joy. I'd rather be back in Egypt. I'd rather be a dog eating my vomit. I don't want to be that person. I don't want you guys to be that person. So I'm going to end with this. Please know your why. Figure out your why. But don't judge other people through the law. View them through the love of God. We are so desperate for Jesus to love us through love and well, see us through love and mercy and kindness, but we judge our brothers and sisters. We judge the outside by the law. We need to be extremely patient with one another. And I'm talking directly just to us as a body right now, as this church, GM, as people who meet here on a regular basis, who have relationships with every person in this room, who've been connected for a while, listen to me, because this is like directly to this body, not just like the church as a universe. We need to be extremely patient with others. We need, this is process. Don't view them through the law. We've seen people, we've seen people leave, even this group. And I know that it's caused a lot of us heartache and pain and we miss them. We know that there's people who've lost sight of their why, who are searching for their why, who are testing their why. Test yours before you become just like them. I don't want to see any more people fall out of this community. I don't want to lose any more people to the old things that used to enslave us. I want to move forward. I want to take this city for Jesus. I want to see young people come to know the realization of the power of Christ his redemptive work, and for them to be who are on shifting sand set upon a rock that will not fail them. You need to know. You need to know. You need to test and seek it out. What is your why? For a lot of you, it's going to take a long time. You are young right now, but it's not too early to start thinking about it. Mike, I think you're like the youngest person in this room. It is not too soon for you to know your why. Jesus can tell you right now. He can show you right now. You are not too young. Do not be deceived that these things need to be tested by seasons of your life. You can live a life of passion. You can live a life of conviction all the way through all the days of your youth so that the the innocence of your youth isn't perverted by the world and have to be cleaned up, and all the baggage that you have to cut out of your life when the time comes. You can know your why now, and you can. You, God can make it personal for you now. 
It might take a while, and this is a process, and we need to be patient with one another, extremely patient with one another, viewing each other in mercy and in love. In the meantime, let's deal with each other honestly and sincerely. Let's be honest. Let's be a body of people who are honest with one another. When we see each other losing sight of our why, let's not just watch our friends, watch our brothers and sisters fall off cliffs here. Let's not watch them walk right back to their vomit and pick it up off the floor and put it back into their mouth. Well, let's not be those people who are passive about protecting this family. Don't be surprised or preoccupied with each other's failures or shortcomings or faults because they're going to happen. They're coming. They're going to happen. We're all youth. We're all young. We're all learning. We're all becoming aware of our why. We're all becoming aware of what we believe. This is a season of your life where these things are forming and they're being challenged by institutions and by, you know, conflict. As you get more dependence in your, yeah, independence in your life, the more you begin to question what you've been taught your entire life. It's natural to question. It's natural to challenge. But I promise you, if your life is built on Jesus and on truth that doesn't change, you're not going to experience the waves of the world. You're not going to be tossed to and fro. You're not going to be up and down like a roller coaster. Get rooted. Build on Jesus. He will not disappoint you. He will not fail you. He will not let you go. He will sustain you. I know this. I know this for a fact. And when I, when I, and I have, when I've lost sight of my why, when I have turned my back on my why, I am just the same. I'll go right back to my old nature. We all will. So don't be surprised and preoccupied with each other's failures. Be extremely patient with one another. View each other in love. View each other with mercy. Keep in mind that our community, this body right here, is not composed of people who are already saints. Leaders in this room, we're not saints. We're still learning. That goes for Reed and I as well. We are learning. We are brand new. We don't, I mean, we're new. We're still learning. Jesus is still teaching us that we are not saints. This community is not built up a bunch of saints, but people who are trying to be like Jesus. We're trying their best to be like Jesus, to follow after Jesus. And this is what we want GM to be all about. It's about falling in love with the heart of Jesus. Being so caught up in Jesus and knowing so passionately what he loves and what he doesn't love that we can walk into this world with, a, with conviction and with passion and see the rest of the world be convinced of it as well. But we need to know our why. So in summary and before we break up into our small groups, I want to leave you with this. You were made in the image of God. You were created to be like him. Let your why be in view of God's great love for you. Don't forget it. He loves you so much. Experience that love. And lastly, don't forget that you are in a war. Stay connected to the vine and in an abiding relationship with God. It's what's going to get you through the battle. It's what's going to get you through to the other side. 
walk by the Spirit. I'm going to pray over you guys, and then we're going to break up into small groups. God, I just thank you so much for your love. God, I thank you, Jesus, that your love is tenacious, God, that it's powerful, that it is the most powerful force on this planet. God, it is the most powerful thing in all eternity, God, and it is the very thing that rescues us and redeems us and transforms us. God, it's by your kindness that we even come to repentance. Lord Jesus, it's your kindness that leads us to you and creates godly sorrow within us. Lord Jesus, it's always been about your love. You sent your son, your only son, God, and you gave up everything because of your great love for us. God, help us live our lives. Help us be recklessly, hopelessly devoted. God, to you, because you are the same way for us. God, let us be so passionate. Let our hearts be full of joy. God, and knit us together in this body, in this room, in love for one another, God. Lord, Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would convict our hearts, that you would speak to our hearts, God, about how we view the world and how we view our brothers and sisters. God, that you would give us compassion and mercy for them, God, that you would break our hearts for them, Lord Jesus, that we would love them the way that you love them, that we would see them the way you see them, God, and we would see ourselves even the way that you see us so that we could have empathy for our own brokenness and for the brokenness of others, God, that we would not put ourselves up on pedestals or think that we are already saints. God, we just thank you. We praise you and we glorify you. It's all about you, Jesus. So tonight we just give you the rest of the glory, all of the honor, all of the praise, God. We ask that you would continue just to move tonight. I pray over each small group that's going to gather, God. You would just speak to us about our why, about why we love you, why we trade everything that we have for you. Why should we, God? I convict our hearts. Give us motivation. God, speak to us and make us make it personal. Hit us, hit us hard with it, Jesus. I ask right now that you would just hit us hard with it, Lord God. That we would not be able to turn our back from it once we, once we taste it. And we ask all of these things in your son's name, in Jesus' name. Amen.